Okay, good morning everyone. Today we'll be learning Daf Chavav in Maseches Megillah, which means we're starting the fourth and final parak. Home stretch. Getting a little late start. We were talking shul policy with Vice President Andrew Singer. All right, Andrew. Uh, who said the Vice President doesn't do anything? You came out here in the snow. Very impressive. Here we go. Bnei ha'ir shemachur rechova shel ir. What does this parak talk about? Well, you know, we were patting here in Maseches Megillah. We talked about the uh, davening, and now we're, and, and some of the things that the best way is to daven, the best way is not to daven, and now we're talking about the Kedusha, uh, levels of Kedusha of different things. So watch this. We know there's a famous principle, Malin Bekodesh Ve'en Moridin, right? That you always have to go higher and higher. We'll see the source of that. You always have to go higher and higher in Kedusha. Okay. If that's the case, uh, the source, I'll give it away, is uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu, um, was the one that worked in the Mishkan after B'Tzalel uh, built it. And so it's an Aliyah B'Kodesh because Moshe was the greatest. Okay, be that as it may, as a consequence of that, you can't sell a Sefer Torah to buy a falafel, right? Because that would not be appropriate because you have to take the money that you, the proceeds you get from selling something that has Kedusha to it and, in order to buy something with a greater level of Kedusha. If you want to hear from Rabari Leibowitz, the great Tafyomi Master Shlita, um, he'll talk to you about what about a lateral move. Can you do a lateral move? But let, let, it's hard if you're Medayik from one part of the Mishnah sounds yes, the other part sounds no. Uh, as you see, our Mishnah will now go down in levels of Kedusha and go back up. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a roller coaster here showing different items and itemizing them in order of... Um, of first ascending and then descending Kedusha as follows. So now you'll, have, you'll get the hierarchy in your brain. Now that you're part of the hierarchy of the shul, it'll be important for you to understand the hierarchy here of Kedusha. So assuming you have the authority, right, legally, um, financially, to sell a certain Rehova Shil'ir, right, which is like a place... Uh, it's important to understand what it is. Because Rashi says, Yeshba Kedusha, Holo Mitzpanlo Betanios Ramados. What's the Gemara is going to say? Right? We had Masechus Tainus, and we know that in, during a Tainus, at a certain time, they would fill the streets, uh, but it's not a shul per se, but it's a portion of the street that's commonly used to daven in. So therefore, it has some degree of Kedusha. Suppose you uh, had, there was some uh, ownership of that place, and it was sold. The town square was sold. Then you have the proceeds. You can go up in Kedusha and purchase a shul with it. You could buy an, uh, an Aron, right, for a shul, if you sell a shul. Mitpachos here is, right, what we call the tichel on the Torah, right? The um, wrappings on the Torah are, now we're going to get, the closer we get to the Torah, the more Kadosh it is, so you could sell the Aron for the coverings, mitfachos, the coverings, as we finally get to Chafav Medalef, Yikchus Farim, Svarim, first Rashi and Chafav Medalef, Nevi'im, Aksuvim. The Rambam disagrees with this, he thinks Svarim is Svarim, but Rashi is going to say that you're buying basically scrolls of Navi and Ksuvim, right? Those scrolls, right, when you have Klaf, as they do in Beis Tfila and other places, right? So that you could purchase uh, with the covers of the Sefer Torah, and then Svarim Lokhin Torah. And with that, you could uh, buy a Torah. Torah is top of the mountain here, right? Top of the food chain. Uh, with that, you can't buy anything. Now, that doesn't mean you can't, see, I'm not sure, can you, maybe you could sell a Sefer Torah, but you can't use those 
they can't use that money for anything other than purchasing another Sefer Torah. Let's say you sold a Torah scroll, right? So we say, what do you mean, you can't sell a Torah? But yeah, you could sell it, you just can't use the proceeds for anything else. Therefore, you can't buy cloth Sfarim, right? You know, right? Cloth of Nevi'im Sfarim, and if you sell, now we're going descending now, the cloth, and you can't um, buy the right uh, Torah, the uh, Torah covers from it. Mitpachos loikhu teva. You can't buy an aron with mitpachos teva loikhu beis Can't purchase a shul by selling an ark, an aron, and beis haknesses loikhu tarachov. And you can't sell sell a shul in order to buy a town square. Bechein be mosreim. Interesting uh, point here that this has also to do with what the change, the money that's left over. Rashi, for example, machus farim. So you sell, let's say, uh, the Sifrei Tanakh cloth, so you did the right thing, right? You were Malab Kodesh. So you sold, right, your, you sold your Yecheskel cloth, and you purchased a Sefer, and you got money for it, then you purchased a Sefer Torah with it. That's great. However, right, you have money left over. You can't take with that money uh, anything else that's less. So what would be the Havamina? Of course you can't. You're not supposed to buy anything of less Kedusha with the proceeds. Unless maybe you say, once you purchase something of greater Kedusha, it's like Matir, the rest of the money. Maybe you would have thought that. The Mishnah tells you not that. But it is interesting, as Birnbaum points out, that we're going up and then going back down. The, the order hasn't changed, but um, maybe it's for this last thing with the change, or maybe it's to illustrate it. Be that as it may, we continue with the Gemara. So, you sold the town square. Amar Rabbi Barchana, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Zu Diver Menachem Bar Yosi Stum Ta'a. Rabbi Yosi Stum Ta'a. Who's Rabbi Yosi Stum Ta'a? He's Rabbi Yosi Stum Ta'a in the sense that a lot of the, right, he, he possessed a lot of um, great knowledge and a lot of the Stam Mishnayas that are out there might be in his, uh, sort of like, uh, based off of his rulings, right? Because we say Stam Mishnayas, like that one, the most authoritative um, Tanaim were the ones that we relied on for the Mishnayis. Because remember, the Mishnayis were very meticulously edited. So we had Bryce's all over the place and we could change the Bryce's. We don't change the Mishnayis. So Rabbi Yossi Stumta uh, was, um, was famous for that. Now it happens to be, if you look at Megillah, Daf Beis Amad Aleph, the first page of Megillah, we refer to Rabbi Kiva as Rabbi Kiva Stumta. And then the Tosfos there had a whole Arichus that, or, or, no, no, I'm sorry, there is no Tosfos there. That was a trick. The outside margin, which is still Rashi, on that daf, had a whole arichas where he was saying how Rabbi Kiva's Tumta, because he had all these Talmidim and Stam, Stam Sifri, and Stam Mishnah's Rabbi Meir, his Talmud, and, and Stam, right, all, all these different Stams were actually attributed to his Talmidim, and, said, and then Rashi at the end says, but that doesn't really make sense, I'm not, because of Megillah Daf Chavav, where we refer to Rabbi Yossi as Rabbi Yossi Stumta. So he doesn't fit in with that theory of why Rabbi Kiva was called Rabbi Kiva Stumta in Daf Be'ezim and Alpha of Megillah. Um, maybe you could, maybe you could say that, uh, Gamze Gamze, Andrew, like in other words, Rabbi Kiva was Stumta in Achinami. He was, he was Stumta because he had those Talmidim. But Rabbi Yossi was called Rabbi Yossi Stumta for a different reason, right? Because a lot of the rulings are based, a lot of the, um, Mishnahis are based on his rulings. Be that as it may, he is a very authoritative figure, and he is the one that holds that if they sold Rehovah Shalir, uh, now, 
this sounds like a statement that's a half statement. What? What's the halacha? What case are we talking about? Well, the question is, can you even sell a rechovah shalir altogether? Like, stop there. How do you know that you could sell a rechovah shalir? So, Rabbi Yossi taught thinks you can. Aval chachamim omrim continues a gemara rechovah in b'mishim kedusha. In order to explain that you can sell the town, has no sanctity at all, and therefore you're not going to have any restrictions, right? So, with the hemshech of that is a quote of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah makes it sound like you can only buy a Beit Knesset with it. And our Mishnah is apparently the opinion of Rav Yossi Stumtah. See that? Our Mishnah doesn't attribute it to anybody, so it's Rav Yossi. It's a Stam Mishnah Karabi Yossi. Usually, if we don't know, we say Stam Mishnah Karabi Meir. Here it's a Stam Mishnah Karabi Yossi, who holds, right, again, that you have to be restricted in the selling of a town square. But Chachamim disagree with that. Okay. Now, why? Would the Chacham, why would Rabbi Yossi and Chacham disagree? Asks the Gemara. Rabbi Menachem, Rabbi Yossi, my tamei. I keep saying Rabbi Yossi. It's Rabbi Menachem. His dad was Rabbi Yossi. Okay. Rabbi Menachem, Bar Yossi, my tamei. What was his reason? Well, the place has some kedusha because it's a very it's a place where they uh, right the crowd will typically gather for Tanios to daven on those special days. Why did the Rabbanan therefore say that you're totally unrestricted? Because it's a town square. It happens to be that that's where they gather, but it doesn't have any inherent Kedusha. Right? So that's an interesting thing. They only do so occasionally. So if they only do so occasionally, does that uh, right, impart a certain level of Kedusha to it, or does it not? Right? Andrew has a backyard minion, let's say. So sometimes they daven there. These days they don't daven there too often. Does that have a Kedusha? It's probably not. Okay, so basic Knesset Lokhin Teva. So now we're selling a uh, basic Knesset and we buy an Arnum. Rabbi Shabbat Rabbi Shabbat Rabbi Shabbat Lashon El Basic Knesset Shel Kfarim. El Basic Knesset Shel Krochim, Kevin de Me'alma, Asulei, Lo Matsu Mizabnilei. That if you have, let's say, one Shtibel in a town that everybody kinds of owns, right? Woodside Synagogue in Silver Spring is, is, a, was a, bar, is a converted barn, looks like a house, and everybody. Uh, let's say, owns it jointly, and nobody comes, it happens to be people do come to visit there when they're on the way to D.C., but let's say it's just out in the Kfar and it's, and it's not a, a common place that people are aware of. So that's sort of like privately owned by a little shtut, a little village. But if you have like the great synagogue, right, in Yerushalayim, so people are used to going to that place. So it's an interesting question. Since people come to it from all over the place, they, you don't have a right to sell it. It belongs to the masses, it belongs to the people. This is not a Milan Bakotish issue at all. This is just a question of whether such a Beit Knesset could even be sold, right? In other words, and as we're saying, if you sell a Beit Knesset, you could buy an Arum. But here it's like a Beit Knesset that you can't, we're giving examples of Beit Knesset that can't be sold even for an Arum, right? You can't sell a Beit Knesset like that altogether. Ari Leibowitz quotes um, a slew of Shitos as to why, what this could mean that the townspeople own it. So I'll say it like this. Uh, well, it could be financial. Well, I'll just say that like the two main things, it could be financial. In other words, if it belongs to the people physically, so then there's no actual owner that could sell it, as opposed to like a little shtibel that maybe like the Rebbe owns it or something like that. So that's a different thing. Obviously, there, it, um, I, you wouldn't even necessarily need somebody to tell you that if somebody owns it, then, they, then if nobody owns it, they can't possibly sell it. Who's going to sell it if nobody owns it? You'd need to have what? The approval of all of Kali Israel? Um, and the other possibility is that it's not so much 
uh, physical legal ownership. It has to do with if everybody expects to go to the great synagogue and that's their shul, right, when they come to your shalayim, so then if you sell it, like you're, that's disrespectful to the shul. They, they're used to going there. And so it belongs to the people, so to speak, right, um, in a, not necessarily in a financial sense, but belongs to the people in a sense that they feel a sense of belonging there, and therefore nobody has the right to take that away from the people. Those, that, those are some shitas out there. So, and it was frequented by people from all over the world. But Ravashi said, even though people come there from all over the world, right? Since they're coming really because of me, right? He's the Rosh Yeshiva, right? So happens to be he was a very well-known, famous Yeshiva, and Ravashi was the draw. In other words, yeah, people came all over the world, but they didn't come for the building. They came for Ravashi. He could sell the building and move three towns over, and people will come all over the world to there. So therefore, Ravashi was saying, it's not just a matter of, do people come here from all over the world? It's a matter of what they're coming for. If they're coming because they're used to that location and that big Neset, so then you can't sell it. But if they're just coming because of the Rosh Hashiva, and wherever he went, they would follow him, then it's the Rosh Hashiva who could sell it, which is what Ravashi said. I could sell such a shul. Obviously only for an Aron, but I could sell such a shul. So what's the contradiction here? We said that if you're a base Knesset in a Krach, a big city like Yerushalayim, you can never sell such a base Knesset because it belongs to everybody. However, there was the coppersmith, um, the, mace, the Freemasons of Yerushalayim, they used to have their own shul, right? And really it was copper refiners, which uh, the Mepharshim say they, they smelled bad and they were just like, it was a really like small shtibel. Nobody really knew about it. Nobody would ever, else would ever want to dive in there. So the fact that it was in Yerushalayim in its own right, as we'll see, didn't necessarily in that particular case mean that they couldn't sell it. So that was the Maisa. The Maisa was Shemachur or Rabbi Yezer, called Shrachav. In other words, they sold it to Rabbi Yezer. He didn't even bother, which is a different thing, how he could do that. But he used it for storage for whatever he wanted, not for things that are necessarily disrespectful, but he, he bought it and he used it for whatever. Now, again, he could buy it and I guess use it for whatever he wants. In other words, you could sell it. That's an interesting thing, right? In other words, the, the Tursim sold it presumably for an Aron Kodesh, right? Because that's what our mission says. But this, the purchaser, Rabbi Yazar, who bought it, he used it for other things. That's fascinating. Okay. Anyway, that's not the kasha. The kasha is what we said before, that it's in Yerushalayim. Says the Gemara, that was a, that's in Yerushalayim. So how could they sell it? Says the Gemara, he baked it, just a hava. Yeah, that was a little shtibel. So, okay, it was in Yerushalayim. But in Huavdua, they, the copper refiners, they built it themselves. They operated it themselves. It was a little shtibel. Okay, so it was in Yerushalayim. But the point isn't that you're in a big city. The point is that if you're a big city shul in Yerushalayim that everybody goes to from internationally all over the world, so then you don't have the right to sell it. But if it's a little hole in the wall nobody knows about that nobody would ever daven in, so the fact that it's in a big city itself doesn't, right, disqualify it from being sold. Okay. Now, Mesve, another... Another challenge. It says, uh, We're talking about Saras here. That's the Pasuk from the Chumash, where it says that sometimes you can have Saras in the wall of your house, but Saras only inflicts homes that can be purchased uh, by, or be an inheritance. In other words, they have to be transactional homes. Homes that can be included in a transaction. What kind of homes can't be included in a transaction? So I'll give it away first, and then we'll read it inside. Yerushalayim, we said, let's say you have a... a um, 
that we know that there was a machlokis. Yerushalayim nechlokal hashvatim or not? Is Yerushalayim lahavdil like Washington D.C.? What state is Washington D.C. in? No state, right? Because it's not chalkal shvatim. It's not considered to be in any state. It's its own uh, jurisdiction, right? So Yushalayim is a state. Let's say you hold like the shita that says that Yushalayim is the same thing. If that's the case, then nobody received it as a nachla or yerusha. If nobody received it as a nachla yerusha, then it can't get saras because it, it's not included in the transactional right, in the transaction of inheritance. Okay, that's where we're headed here. So, so let's see. Gemara continues, that only that which is transactional, we'll call it, can get saras. So, can't get saras. So, Rehuda says, I heard that only the base Hamikdash is impervious to saras, but the rest of the right abodes in Yerushalayim can get saras. As the, as he continues to say, that the shuls in the base matters can get saras. So says, Hamai, how do How can they get saras? Ask the Gemara. This is a stira. After all, they're in a krach, which is to say, huh, there's two ways that you can be transactional. Either you can be a base achuza, part of the inheritance, or you could say that it can or cannot be sold. Well, guess what? Even if you hold Yerushalayim Nishchal Kalashvatim, and theoretically you could get it as an inheritance, by virtue of the fact that the base Knesses is in Yerushalayim, you would think that that means that you cannot sell it. And if you cannot sell it, so then it can't get saras, right? Not because it's not a base achuzatzchem. I mean, because it's not a base achuzatzchem, but not because it wasn't itchal kalishvatim, but rather because you cannot sell it because it's in the karach. That's the question. This would apply to a shul or a base medrash. Oh, that's the kasha, right? Because we just said that you could sell such a Beit Knesset of the Tursiim, right? So why could you, so what's this idea of here that you can't sell categorically this base hakneses? Um, so Ema, so no, so we say Rabbi Huda. That's only if you hold that Rabbi Huda said Lo Shemati Alamaka Mikdash Bilvad. Right? That's that. That would imply that only the base of Mikdash cannot be sold, cannot get saras, and the rest of the shuls in Yerushalayim can get saras. It says no, no, no. That we have to amend Rabbi Huda's statement. This is not what he said. He said Amar Rabbi Huda Ani Lo Shemati Alamakom Mikudash Bilvad. He didn't say Mikdash, he said Mikudash. A holy place. Well, that obviously includes base Medrash, base Knesset. We'll see which one might be holier than the other, and they, hopefully we'll get to it. And therefore. Right, he's saying you can't be transferred and sold, right? And not because, right? But uh, not because loni tchalka, but because they're holy. The holy places of Yerushalayim cannot get saras and cannot be sold. So now the question is, what is this machlokes? As we've already said, in other words, the Tanakama holds that Yerushalayim, you can't get inheritance anyway, so therefore you don't have to be a Makom HaKudosh. But Rabbi Yehuda holds that the non-holy places of Yerushalayim can be sold. Um, but the Beit Medrash and the Beit Knesset cannot, and cannot get Saras either. And that's a famous Machlokas. So if we looked at the high Tanai, that's a famous Machlokas Tanaim with regards to Nitchal Lishvatim. We learned that in around Dafyid Beis of Masechus Yuma. Tatanya, Maya, Bechelko, Shel Yehuda, remember this? The, uh, we drew out the, the Mizbeach, good times, right? Remember all those, all those graphics of the, of the base of Mikdash, maybe rebuilt in Meherbimenu. So we had in the, uh, territory, as we've pointed out, it was most, supposed to be in the Chelek of Binyamin, uh, mostly, because Binyamin was the, uh, youngest, and you wanted to be able to give Binyamin the covet. Also, Binyamin wasn't uh, included in the sale of Yosef, so there was no right animosity there, and therefore he was supposed to get the 
Mizbeach, but we know that a shtickle of Yehuda was took the southeast portion of the Mizbeach, and that really it was Yehuda and Binyamin that kind of shared that area, uh, famously as we know, and therefore like this. So what's in the Chelek of Yehuda? Harabais, Velashakos, Velazaros, right? All the, all the offices and the courtyards, Umayya, Bechelkosh, Binyamin, the, the heavy duty stuff. Ulam, Beheichal, Ubeis, Kacha, Kadashim, right? And then, Urtzuai, Seyosan, Mechelkosh, Yehuda, there was that southeast strip on the Chelek of Yehuda that took that little edge of the Mizbeach, as you see in the uh, graphs on the art scroll, gets into the Chelek of Binyamin, that's where the Mizbeach is, so it sounds like he doesn't like, he's not a good sharer, right? Binyamin Atzadik was not so happy, right, that, that, and he wanted to absorb and take over Yehuda's Chelek over there into his territory so he could have the whole Mizbeach, as it says, this is towards the end. Uh, that he was always agonizing over this, Rabbi He really didn't like sharing that Mizbech. But in this context, it's a good thing. It's something, it's wanting to be included in the Kedusha. It wasn't like a resentful kind of anguish. It was more like, Halavai could do more. If only I could do more. Avodah Hashem, Binyamin, That's why Binyamin was Zochah to become the host, right? Ushpizin, uh, or Ushpizchan is the host of the Shechina. Um, as, as Rashi says, in what way was he the host? Shahiyah Aaron Bechelko. Right, that's what he hosts the Aaron. That's like, that's the golden ticket over there. So since he wanted to do that the most, so he got it. So now the Gemara says, uh, continues with Maseches Yuma here. The other time holds in Yerushalayim was not in Chalka Shvatim. The Tanya in Maskirin Batim Yerushalayim. You can't, right, if it's not in Chalka Shvatim, then you don't have a right to rent in Yerushalayim because it doesn't belong to you. Right? So Rabbi Leazar B'Tzadok Amir Af Lo Mitos. You can't even lease out a bedroom there. So that's why the innkeepers would do like a, like a low-key bartering. Right? They would host the Ole Regalim and they would be allowed, right? The halacha was they could take some of their offerings, some of their skins, some of the, some of the uh, pulkis, uh, of the animals, uh, to which Abayah said, that it is a good Derech Eretz, uh, if you are a, go- a host, to leave over a jug or some animal skins, a tip, to wherever you stay, because in Yerushalayim, you're not allowed to pay for lodging, and therefore it's nice to leave a tip. Okay. So two lines up from the bottom. So again, but now we have to modify a little bit of what our Mishnah says. In other words, that the idea that the proceeds from a synagogue, right, have to be applied to only greater thing is only if, this is um, why it's Dafka 7, I'm still not sure where that number came from, but, um, but if somebody, it's like, it's like a number that represents the board, right? It's a typical number of a board. Or if you had like one person who's really controlled the shul, like, like Andrew was saying before, the, the guy's in the back of the board. Like, Andrew's technically the vice president, but let's say Chaim Shechter runs the shul, right? So, and he just tells Andrew what to do. Andrew's a puppet, he says. So he says, Lo Shanu, so, so he would have the, the, the power of a seven-person board. So the idea is like this. If the board, Shiva Tuve'ayir, we'll call the board, Muhammad Ayir, the trustees of the town, right, did it in the presence of the people. In other words, everybody has to agree to this. But if... You had seven people 
right? The whole board did it, and the people agreed. Then Afilu, as we turn to Rashi, um, right? That's the last Rashi is explaining that this is the board. Everybody agrees, okay? If they do that, then Afilu Mishtabe Shikh or Shapir Dami. You can what? Buy beer with the proceeds. Well, that's quite a difference. <laughs> you could buy. You could buy brewskis. You're not going to do that, Andrew, right? Are you going to sell? Are you going to sell Shari Zion for a six pack? Is that what this is about? Okay, you would never do that. So he says like this: Ravina Havale Yahu Tila de Nishta. So you have to tell the following story. He had rubble fields, the ruins of a shul. Also, Kameder Ravashi and Amale. So he came in front of he came in front of Ravashi and asked a Shaila Maulu Mizare. So I have like ruins of a shul in my field. Can I work the field? So Amalei, Zalzavnei Veshiva Tuvei Ayir, the Maimon Ayin Shayir Israel. He says, go to the board, and there, then you could use the site. So now we are Rami Baraba, right? Uh, said Rami Baraba have a kab bnei knishta. We're on Chafavim Beis, and and he did the following fifth line down. Have a kab bnei bnei knishta. He built a shul. Have a knishta atika. But there was an old shul, have a bayla mystery. He wanted to demolish the old shul as we live in and to use the beams and materials of the old shul to build a new shul. Well, that presents a conundrum. Can you disassemble a shul in order to build a new shul, right? And use them in those materials in the new shul. So So he sat in the base medrash and he wanted to ask Rav Chista if this made sense. The Rav Chista. Well, he wanted to know whether it made sense in the context of the ruling of Rav Chista. What was the ruling of Rav Chista? The Rav Chista, that's the conundrum. You're not supposed to really ever not have a shul, which means that before you take down an old shul, you have to build a new shul first. Well, that it presents a conundrum if you want to use the new, if you want to build a new shul with materials of the old shul. So what are you supposed to do? So he says, so he uh, pondered. Rabbi Shaffin uh, destroyed his shul, so... The goyim won't use it for bad things. Wow. Yeah, so when you have, when you have those kinds of reasons and you're an Adam Godel, you could do that. So, so what Rami, right, Bar Abba uh, concluded was that over there, it was negligence, right? In the context where you're destroying the old shul, stam, for not necessarily a great reason, then you really, Rabbi Shafrin, let's say, not, not that it was applicable to that case, but let's say you know you're going to destroy because you don't want the guy to get it. Well, and it's the, if it's the only shul in town, then I'm sure Rabbi Shafrin would have worried to build a new shul first and to make sure people had a place to go to before he destroyed that shul. But but what would be the case of Rami Baraba where he's actually using those materials like a week later, it's going to happen. Everybody sees you using those materials. Would that be permissible? So also come there, Papa of Asale. He went there, Papa. Papa said, "No, you can't do that because in the interim there won't be a shul." And the Kamei Ravuna of Asale and Ravuna agreed with her Papa in that context also that you cannot do such a thing. You need to first build the old shul. Okay, another story. Uh, yeah, did I say the old shul? No, oh, I meant the Altanaya shul. You ever been to the Altanaya shul in Prague? The old new shul. No. Uh, Mm-hmm. Okay, so Amar Rava, high bake nishta story. This shul that we're talking about in our Mishnah, Chilufa Zabuna Shari. You could you could change it uh, in barter, Chilufa, right? Or you could sell it for money. Or Goro Mashkuna Asub. You can't rent it or mortgage it. My taima, why would that be? Because get it, Goranowitz. If you sell it, let's say for an Aron Kodesh, so then. 
you've transferred the Kedusha into something else. But if you are using the shul and renting it out for bingo, so then it's still the shul. The Kedusha of the shul is still extant. In other words, if you actually barter it, so then it's no longer shul, it's used for something else. But so long as it's a shul, you should use it for shul activity. Get it? All right, so says the Gemara, so, live... So, you got to sell if it goes to a church, you mean. Uh, you got, well, why you would sell it is different reasons, like you say. So now, let's broaden this. Livni nami. Let's, what about the bricks of a shul? Chalufni of Ashari. You could barter or sell them, but uzufinu asr. You can't just lend bricks of a shul because, again, those are, still have the kedusha so long as it's still the shul. Honey, That's only old bricks. Let's say you have, right, bricks that were, Part of, like, you're going to put an addition on your shul, and the bricks are laying outside, right, getting ready. So they have not yet been used, so they have not yet acquired the Kedusha of the shul. That's the point. And those, therefore, you can lend that. Rafilam on the Oh, now we get back to Masech Shabbos, where we were talking about, like, the for- making needles and all that, and at what point it becomes a clean, and all that amazing stuff, when it becomes a Kabul Tuma. So let's say you say, hold on, which means that the intent to use it is, and is in fact, relevant, right? Um, and therefore, the intent to use these bricks as part of the shul would um, impart some kedusha on these bricks. That is honey milikigona oreg begilamais, right? That is when you, let's say, weaving tachrichim to use as shrouds for uh, a mace. Avalhacha kitavoy oreg dami. But these bricks laying on in the parking lot, they're not the 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 fully made tachrichim. The analogy there would be that they're like the threads that you buy to make the 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 baggage for the tachrichim, which is like another step removed, and thus not yet having the kedusha. Like Amanda Amar, nobody's going to say there that that it's going to be um, going to be used uh, that has have the kedusha of bricks and can't be lent out. Okay, another interesting case. What about matana? Let's say somebody gave the shul as a gift. Okay, you get the shul as a gift. So, um, so what do you do? What's the question? Well, the question is, if you receive the shul as a gift, instead of buying it, does the kedusha of the shul get lifted? In other words, we said like this. Uh-huh. We're getting into like a little bit of Nazikian in a way, right? In other words, if you, if you sell it, the kedusha comes off because now it's something else. If you rent it, the kedusha retains because now it's still a shul. What if you gift it? That's something between a sale and a rental, right? Says the Gemara, Pligi And sure enough, that was a machlokas chad, asa v'chad shari. One says, okay, the other one says, not manda asa v'hai tifka kedushasa. He who said that you can't use it, well, what, how is the shul's kedusha going to be removed? After all, it's a gift. And the shul's kedusha is not removed because, because it was gifted. Umanda shari, he loved the havalei hanamine, lo havalei And the one who says that you're allowed to use it, well, what, what did you think? In other words, you gave it as a gift with full, right? No, not a conditional gift with strings attached, a full gift, like a sale. Hadar havale matanik is vini. And therefore, a gift is like a sale. It's a real, it's machlokas, Ramban and Ran here. Art school has a giant note. Is this shul a tashmish, a mitzvah, or is it dovish of a kedusha? Right? There's a lot, a lot here. Uh, in the in the Mefarshim as to the real deep mechanics. Obviously, like we're learning uh, the Adafa day and, and this is surface, but there's a lot, a lot that you can sort of tease out of this little section of the Kedusha Sabesa Mekdish as follows. But we'll continue seven lines up from the wide where it says Tanar Abana. How do we get onto this whole topic? You, you know what? It's a great question. <laughs> 
We started cold turkey, beginning of the fourth parak today. And it just started talking about levels of Kedusha uh, and, and, and why I'm not 100% sure. Well, where does it come from? Uh, oh, the concept of Malin B'Kosh Rein Meridin. This is why, why you've got to tell your T-Mobile to get you here. We talked about that's, bec- that, that's already in, from the Torah. We had, we had a limud from B'Tzalel building the Mishkan and then Moshe Rabbeinu working no, no, it. Right now, so that's a good question. I don't know the exact full answer to no, what... It's in Megillah, not in Tainas. Uh, uh, so I think that the reason it's in Megillah, not in Tainas, I'm not 100% sure, but I saw somewhere that we wanted, because of Zichor um, Yosef, to dedicate a full Masechta to Megillah, unlike Hanukkah that only gets a couple of pages in Shabbos, Masechta Shabbos, we have a full Megillah, but we need to pad it with certain things to, to beef it up to get a full Masechta out of it. It's not a full answer, but it's, 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 it'll, it'll suffice for now. So, Tanarabon, Tashmisha Mitzvah, Nizrakin. What do you do with such Tashmisha Mitzvah once the Mitzvah is no longer done? So, amazingly, Tashmisha Mitzvah you could throw out, but Tashmisha Kedusha, Nignazin, that's what you have to bury. So, here's the ironic, what you would think. You think a chauffeur after Rosh Hashanah, you have to put on the mantle. And, right, uh, whereas uh, a tefillin bag, right, you could, once you no longer use it, maybe you could throw it out. The exact opposite, because a shofar is tashmisha mitzvah, right? Ve'eluhein tashmisha mitzvah, sukkah, lulav, shofar, tzitzis, those are tashmisha mitzvah. Therefore, they can be thrown out once you're no longer doing the mitzvah. Of course, you have to discard them uh, very, uh, with dignity, but you can throw them out. Ve'eluhein tashmisha kedusha. But the Tishrisha Kedusha are those things that are holding the Devarim Shri Kedusha, like Luskumay Svarim Tfilin Mezuzos, the bag as a whole, Stam, right? Vetikshel Sefer Torah, Venaritikshel Tfilin, Ritzel Sayim, right? Like the, the case for the Sefer Torah, the Tfilin bag, the Ritzuos, those things cannot be disposed of. So I'm a Rava, you have to bury them in Shemus, so to speak, right? So Rava said, Miresh Hava Amina Hayekursia. I initially thought that the bima, where you read the Torah, that tashmish to tashmishu, that it's one step removed, vishari. You could actually throw it out if you need it or use it for non-holy purposes. However, it came to the chazina to Mosvi Eloi Sefer Torah. Then one time I was sticking around shul and I saw that they're starting to lane and I see like the skin, so to speak, of Sefer Torah is touching this bima. I realized that's not at once removed. That's a real tashmish kedusha. And therefore, amina tashmish kedusha huva aser. Now I realize it's aser. Second halacha about this. Amarava. Miresh amina. High prisa tashmish I thought, what's the prisa? It's the curtain that lines the, the Aron with the Torah. So came in the chazina, the Eifilei, Manchi, Sefer Alei. So that was a style then, right? That they used to have curtains inside the Aron and you put the Sefer Torah inside and then you wrap it. When I saw, once I see that they're putting a Sefer Torah in there and they're wrapping it with the internal curtain, Amina Tashmish Kedusha. I realized that is in fact a Tashmish Kedusha. Third Allah, Havamarava, Hai Tivusa, the Irpat. And an Aron used to be an Aron, but then it fell apart. So can you make like a chair out of it? A rocky chair? No. It says, Me of Shari. You can make a smaller Aron, because you, you no longer, the whole thing fell apart. You no longer can make a larger one out of it. However, Kursaya Asu, you can't make a Stender out of it. Oh, the Amarava, fourth halacha, high priest of the Vala. Um, a curtain that lines the Torah and is now it's Vala. It became worn out. So what are you going to do? You're going to make shamatas out of it? So we say, You could cover Torah scrolls with it. However, the chumash and aser. You can't even uh, cover the, the uh, stone chumash with it because that would be a lowering of the level of Kedusha for it. What about sacks that you used for, right, for single chumashim of Torah? The country, the sifrei, and cases for Torah scrolls, Tashmish, Kedusha, Ninu, Vinignazin. Again, anything that's close and touch of the Torah, that has to be hidden. It can't be thrown out. Pshita, we say. We just said that that's the case. So you say, no, we thought that those things are what? 
They're not a covered type thing, but they're just covers to protect the thing and therefore perhaps don't acquire the Kedusha. They do. That the covers do have that level of Kedusha. Fine. Let's go back to the Aaron and the Shul. A famous story. There was a Shul of Romans, but as Rashi explains, this is a Shul in Bavel, in Mechoza, and the the uh, Jews the Ro- from Rome, the Italian Jews who made it out to Mechosa, made their own shul there. Okay. I, I, I hate to say this, I just saw two times where the, the Goyim love to show off the, the corpses, you know. They don't bury them, you know. Oh my God. Yeah, they, they, they show them off like... Uh, this is- I don't know how you got to that. You're asking me how the Gemara got to this. I don't know how, where you arrived <laughs> at that. Uh, the, okay, the viewing. I will make the shit of Yudar Ramai. The Hava Psiach Lahu is Idrona. They opened up. Okay, so here's what happened. Yeah, the Shul, it was opening up into this chamber. The Hava Machas Bay Mace. Oh, that's how you got to it. You were ahead of me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there, were, there was like a viewing, so to speak, right? That was yeah, not really a viewing, but a corpse. They want you to see the. They want you to see. Oh. What are you going to come into? Okay. The Hava Bo, Kani, Lameel, Letzaluye Hassam. So the Kohanim wanted to go daven there. Wait, in other words, they, not to daven where the mace was, but they wanted to daven in shul. Here's what happens. When you have an opening with a mace in the room, opening up to the shul, the tumah gets in there. Kohanim can't daven in there. So they need to close up. If they closed up the doorway, they'd be able to daven in there because the tumah would be blocked off. Now here's the question. Can you use the aron to close off this doorway? So let's see. The aron, you shouldn't be able to. Let's see. So also, I'm the rabbi. They say the rabbi. I'm a, I mean, we need to stop in here. There's a mace in the other room. What are we going to do? I'm a Rabbi says, take the aron of the Torah, put it in the doorway, and block it so that you could use the shul. Double kliates also nachas. Because again, if you have a kliates that uses salad forks, that's a kli that's going to be makabel tuma. But this is a kliates, a piece of furniture that's not movable, and therefore it's not makabel tuma. Therefore it can block off. But it's an aron. Well, Chliyates also the Nachas by Nimakabal Tumah. So from Hilchas Tumah, it's okay. The Chotz it's Bifnei Tumah. It's going to block off the Tumah. It can be used. But how could you use it? Says Amar Leli Rabbanu the Rava. They said to him, "Vaz meaning the Mitatul Kiminoch Sefer Torah Luyeh." Yeah, but sometimes we use this Aron and put the Sefer Torah directly on it. So you can't take something that's so kadosh and use it for that mundane purpose to block Tumah, right? Vahavale Mitatul Mali Vereikam. So it's a Kli, but that wasn't their issue. Their issue is that it is a Kli. Because we move it, sometimes it's full, sometimes it's, uh, it's empty, and therefore it should be Mikabal Tumah and not block the Tumah. That was the issue. Anyway, Rav did not realize that. Once he, he was told that, he said, no, then in that case, you're right. You're, you're in big trouble. You can't dive in here because the Tumah is going to come and you cannot block it. So now we're five lines up from the bottom on Chafav and Bez. And even though we don't have a full complement of people, I think it, we should start. So everybody have a good Shabbos.